If you want to see the full video interviews of this podcast, visit yahoonews.com or find us on social media at Yahoo News. I'm Zainab Selby. Welcome to the Through Her Eyes podcast, where I'll explore current news from a woman's perspective. We see the world through her truth, through her defiance, through her grit. This is Through Her Eyes. Stories of misogyny and sexism have plagued the hip-hop industry for decades. But my guest today reigns supreme over another side of hip-hop. Queen Latifah was born in Newark, New Jersey and started rapping in high school in the late 80s. She released the album Ladies First in 1989. Some think that we can't flow. Can't flow. Stereotypes, they got to, go. got to go. I'ma mess around and flip the scene into revert. With what? With a little touch of ladies first. She became one of the first female rappers to have success in a new genre of music that reflected a culture of resistance and self-expression on the streets of East Coast cities like New York and Philadelphia. My style is very real and down to earth. It's not uh, materialistic in any form or fashion. 30 years later, she's still a success. Shooting a music video, you go that way, I go this way. Now as an actress, singer, businesswoman who still stands up for all women. Today, we see music and Hollywood through Queen Latifah's eyes. When you start your career mm-hmm. as a rapper, at that time, rap was a, came from a culture of resistance mm-hmm. and consciousness and identity. Can you tell us more about that time? I think it was just a very creative time in hip hop. You know, I think um, that the seeds were sown enough for people like me and like the Native Tongues and, you know, Boogie Down Productions and other groups, Eric B and Rakim, all of us to sort of sprout up. You know, the, the original rappers and DJs and break dancers and graffiti artists, and they, had, they were already laying that groundwork to sort of put hip hop in people's minds and we kind of came through in our era and made it, we solidified it, made it truly a genre of music that was not going anywhere. Well, it's a beautiful day in the neighborhood, a beautiful day in the neighborhood. Can't go it was a time of, of real creativity. You didn't want to be like the next rapper. You wanted to sound completely different from them. You wanted to be opposite of, of, of whatever somebody else was doing so you could seem, you know, unique and have your own style and people could, you know, see you as different from the rest even though we're all doing the same, you know, kind of genre of music. So uh, it was a good time, you know, and it was a political time as well. You could talk about what was going on in the world. You could talk about what was going on in your community. And then you could talk about nothing but partying, you know? So it was it was a great time to, to make music. How has that changed since? I think rappers have gotten far less brave in terms of being quick to talk about something happening right around them when it happens. You know, I think it's getting better because I just think the youth are much more engaged in the world in general. I think they're engaged in what's going on around them. They're engaged in what's going on politically. Um, and they really do want to change the world. And so I think they're woke, as we say. It. They're much more awake than they were yeah. for like, it was a good, kind of felt like a 10 year stretch of just sleep. You know, rap was not that great to me. You know, most of the hip hop. By and large to me, because there weren't very many females in music too. 
And I think wherever there's a lack of female voices, there's a deficit, period. And, and any sector. One, any sector, whenever a woman's voice is not heard, included, respected, you're gonna lose. You'll never be as great as you could be. Do you consider yourself a feminist? I consider myself my mother's daughter. Uh, to be honest with you, I didn't even know what a femini feminist was. And apparently I was a feminist because later people told me, you're a feminist. And I'm like, what the hell is a feminist? Okay, let me read that. I guess that's what I am. I it's just simple so. equality. Yes, I had no yeah. idea what yeah. a feminist was exactly. But uh, yes, I do have the traits of a feminist. Um, but I really was really, I mean, honestly, just my mother's child and the things that she taught me about how you know, at to be how how to be a woman and how women should be respected and never to depend on anyone for money and to be able to make my own decisions, to believe in myself. That message came through in her songs of the early 90s. They called for unity and an end to discrimination. You had also women power, yeah. you know, themes, and you carried yourself like a queen, you know? I was raised around a lot of boys, uh -huh. so I had to, you know, smack them up a little bit and <laughs> let them know, hey, 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 I'm in this piece, watch out, boom, queen, you know? <laughs> so, um, <laughs> but that's kind of how it was. It was just, I was, I was raised around a lot of boys, but I was raised around a lot of boys who encouraged me. And challenged me. But did you, know? you have a hard time to like, you know, holding your place and say, don't speak to me like this? And, you know, in the music, in, in the rap world. I had that, I had that feeling in general, in life. Not so much, not as much in the rap world, surprisingly. Actually, some of the people you might have considered the hardest rappers at that time had a lot of respect for me. You know, they were some of the first people to come up to me and, and support me, you know, once they figured out it was me. Um, like Ice-T or Big Daddy Kane. There were so many people who, who actually respected me, you know, a lot. And um, they liked the way I carried myself. They liked the things I had to say. Um, but the things that I was talking about was just what I was saying in life. It was more so real life. You know, walking down the street and being catcalled or, you know, being doubted because you're a woman and, and, and not expected to being pushed to achieve in the same sort of ways or the same doors being open for you or the same salary. I mean, we're still dealing with the fact that there's pay inequity. I mean, I started rapping 30 years ago. You know I'm what I'm saying? What is, what is the problem? Um, so, you know, it's a shame that these things even still have to be discussed, but I had to discuss them back then because look at now. Look what happens when you don't talk about it. You know, it never changes. Music actually generally has, is now associated so much with misogyny and sexism. Yeah. How did that happen? Why did that happen? I can't say overall why this has happened. There's a lot of things that I think have contributed to it, but. Such as? Such as the fact that radio stations are not owned by mom and pop places in their own communities, that they just got bought by big corporations and you know, the DJs didn't get to pro play the music that they wanted to play as much anymore. They got lists that they had to play. I mean, we barely have R&B stations here in New York. We used to have a lot of them when I was growing up. But if nobody really cares about your community, they don't really care what's being said on the radio. I mean, there's things that are being said on the radio that I'm shocked at. And I don't. I never felt like it was right to say that stuff on the radio. Like, like what? Like curse words. Oh. I don't think you should be able to say certain words on the radio. This is for mass market, and kids listen to it. And I think kids should earn the right to hear curses like the rest of us. <laughs> they shouldn't just get them for free. 
at a young age, damn it. This is called rites of passage. You gotta earn this that's stuff. True, that's true. You know, we actually, yeah. we just giving every kid, you know, everything. They're babies. They don't know how to handle wow. that stuff. That's so they just true. incorporate it into their lives. And you know, I just think that there's always been an avenue for people who are different and creative to be able to get their things through. Um, and so there was always an encouragement to try your, and do something different. It, it got and not do something cookie cutter. I and see. so when only the cookie cutter stuff seems to get through, people start make, thinking they only can make that to be successful. And you gotta understand, this is economics. I didn't just get into hip hop to make music. I got into it to change the economic future of my family. So when you got money involved in this and you got people who wanna get education and better houses for their family, get out the hood, to actually own a house as, instead of renting, you know, or put food on the table, you're doing what you gotta do. And so it kind of hinders you from maybe feeling the courage to express yourself um, because you feel like somehow that might be taken away from you. But I think because of the internet now and because of different avenues and platforms to put your music out, it's gotten a lot better and people have gotten a lot more brave because they can establish themselves like that from the beginning and they can still get millions of followers. So it sort of starts with resistance and then it goes, it takes a dip and now you're saying there's actually a rise in that freedom of expression and I creativity. Do. That's good, I do. that's cool. But it has to be across the board. I think people are influenced and it goes back and forth. Life imitates art, imitates life, imitates yes. art, you know. But there was also a lot of silence around that sexism and misogyny. Oh, I yeah. mean, you know, and like the documentary on R. Kelly. Why is that silence, you think? It's called money. The love of money is the root of all evil. <laughs> and that's just the reality of it. You know, people saw R. Kelly as a cash cow and they didn't want to give up the cash. So they ignored what was going on. And he's not the first and he won't be the last. Whenever there's money involved and people are greedy and they want to make money, and they can they learn to look the other way on a lot of things. You know, I haven't listened to his music since I saw that tape, because it was clear to me. And I'm like, damn, you just messed up my whole catalog, man. I, <laughs> I used to really enjoy some R. Kelly music. I, you know, he makes great records. Nobody could take that away from him. But, uh, mm -mm -mm. So you talk about our complicity, you know, in, in being seduced with the money and the power that people well, yeah. sow things and stayed silent. I mean, you know? people, people love who they love and they don't want to... Sometimes people don't want to look at the, the realities of certain things, and we all want to give people the benefit of the doubt. I know, especially in our community, where we have seen our people railroaded so much, you know, that any time one of us does not have to be railroaded, it's, it's, it's a win for everybody in a certain way, you know? Um, but, you know, what's real is what's real. What's the truth is what's the truth. The Me Too movement, people arguably say that it has impacted or started change in some industries like Hollywood. Do you think it has changed the music industry? I think we got a quite a ways to go in the music business, definitely. Um, it has impacted several different industries, clearly. And, and it has to just continue, you know, it has to continue to, um, you know, to, to grow. What um, are the changes you would want to see? You know, one of the things that I faced as a young artist was marketing dollars. The same amount of marketing dollars that would be spent on one of my male counterparts wasn't usually spent on me. Um, I know several female rappers that that happened to at that time who had to fight to get those marketing dollars spent on them in the same way. So it's harder to be as successful when you're not being treated the same way as your male counterparts. So 
Um, I, just pay equity is one thing for sure, and just kind of feeling safe in the workplace. You want to feel safe when you go to work and not worry about you know having to be sexually intimidated in, in any sort of way. That's just not the place for it, you know. And um, there was a status quo for many years, and so I think it's just time that those things kind of go away. And, uh, you know, I, I don't think that every person who's been involved in something like that is a bad person necessarily. I think that they were raised and taught certain things and ways that was the way it was done for quite a while. But that whole way of it being done has to be deconstructed, broken apart, and reconstructed into something brand new that allows for everybody to feel. Because it's not just women. It's men who have been, That's you know, kind of pressed as well. So, um I think it should be fair for everybody That's in the true. workplace. Do you think there is a room for redemption for those who have committed sexual harassment and discrimination? Well, for me, God can forgive anybody. So of course there's room for redemption, you know? It starts with you asking for forgiveness, <laughs> you know, just recognizing what you do and then saying, please forgive me. Being feeling, feeling like you want to be redeemed. That that starts from the inside. Latifa may have started as a rapper, but early on, she ventured into the acting world on the hit sitcom Living Single. I got one question. Am I still invited to the party? <laughs> in the early 2000s, she broke into the film world with prominent roles in musical films like Hairspray and Chicago. You do one for mama, she'll do one for you. You know, a lot of people in Generation Z know you as the actress and the comedian. They don't know that you actually started your career in rap. Right. Tell me, like, are you surprised by that? I'm not surprised, actually, because I kind of lapped myself a while ago. I've kind of done this for a few generations now. So some people got to know me as, uh, you know, Latifah the rapper, and then it became, you know, Khadija or... Cleo, you know, said it all kind of Chicago stuff. And then it became, my nephews called me Auntie Ellie for months because I was in Ice Age and I played a woolly <laughs> mammoth, you know, in an animated movie. So in their minds, I was a woolly mammoth. Imagine you're in the woods looking for food and your baby gets sick. What do you do? Uh, um, no, jiggling makes it feel worse. <laughs> How so. intentional were you about the evolution in your career. Did you do it with intention or it just happened? No, it was definitely done with intention. Because uh -huh. my mom told me a long time ago, you know, don't put all your eggs in one basket. Mm -hmm. And I felt like as a rapper, if I wasn't the best rapper, then I had to explore other aspects of my creativity. When I think of your career, I was like, I wonder, it's like, is she an alcohol, a workaholic? Both. Sorry. <laughs> Both, thanks. Are you a workaholic? Seriously, because he likes, you're always working, no? I'm one of those coholics. I'm surely I've coholic before. Sorry. I think everyone in this business coholics once or twice. Coholic. You know, if you live to stay around long enough, if you're successful. Um, <laughs> I, I can't, I, I don't know if I'm a workaholic. I, I love to enjoy life. So I don't think I'm a workaholic okay. in the sense that some people can't, they have no life without work. Mm. That's not me. Today, Queen Latifah has a lead role on the musical TV series, Star. You don't give up, do you? Hell no. The show chronicles three women as they strive for fame in the music industry. You play in a series on Fox a television called Star, mm -hmm. where it has similarity with your own life, right? You know, with the... Sometimes it's kind of creepy how right? that show creeps into <laughs> our lives. I'm like, what? 
like all was of us. Was it designed like that? It, no, no, but it happens to all of us. Everybody in the show, we're like, this is just weird. You know, how it just kind of, we see these scripts and there's your life right there. And what's your advice for young women who are trying to make it? Oh, just keep going, you know? I mean, move forward. You know, you have to be courageous to, to accomplish your goals. There are times when you will have to stand alone and because you believe in yourself, even though people don't see it yet. And then you surround yourself with people that are moving in the same direction. You know, drop anybody who's a negative naysayer. They don't, you don't need them in your life. You know, there's a thing called constructive criticism, but then they're just negative people. That's true. Who always have something negative to say. Every time you tell them you want to do this, they're like, oh, you're never going to do that. That's impossible. You know what? You're never going to do it, so you can't see me doing it. Now, 48, Queen Latifah is championing a new cause, encouraging women to pay attention to their mental, physical, and emotional health. Let's talk about mental health. People are crazy. (laughs) Mental health. Thank you. Drop the mic. Is that a politically correct word to say people are crazy? No, but (laughs) does everything have to be politically correct? Well, Um, why this is important for you? Why this work is important for you? Listen, mental health is very important. You know, it's, it's like one of the giant elephants in the room of the world, you know? And definitely here in America. But it's also about your emotional self your mental self, you know, your body and your mind, not just one, They're, they all work in concert. And a lot of people really don't check in on themselves the way they should. Now, within the mental health, because suicide has gotten so much attention mm-hmm. the last couple of years because so many celebrities, you know, committed mm-hmm. suicide from Anthony Bourdain to Kate Spade to, you know, uh, Chris Cornell. I mean, so many, oh, what, we, what are people. we missing? I think we're missing one of the things, which is that a lot of people are walking around dealing with some issues. And I think we need to not take those things as a joke. It's difficult if someone's not really opening up and telling you what's going on with them. A lot of people, like I said, are walking around bearing these burdens by themselves, and they need to open up and share that with somebody. But it's beyond just Chris Cornell, who I love, and Anthony Bourdain, who I love, Kate Spade. It's the kids. It's the police officers. It's the wives and the husbands. It's, it's the domestic situations that turn into these things. There's so many things going on, but you know we, we have to kind of open up and talk about it and create a di- dialogue about it and not make mental health this scary thing that we're not dealing with. You know, we need to devote money towards it, you know, and make sure that we're actually addressing these situations because you know people need help, and they should be able to get to it without it being a problem. And within, there's so many also documentaries recently about celebrities actually struggling. How did you deal with fame and staying sane? I have, I'm very, very blessed to have family around me. Um, You know, it'll be almost one year since my mom passed away, but I've had my mother in my life my entire life. And she's always kept me grounded. And my father, my family, my friends, and we were all more, always more important than this business. That's always been more important to me. So I've had people around me who pat me on the back when I do a good job and pull my skirt when I'm not and say, hey, you all right? What's going on? So they keep me grounded, you know? And I check in with myself. You know, if I'm doing something that's gone too far this way or that way, I kind of, I say, hey man, maybe I need a break or maybe I need to take it, take it down for a second. I'm going too hard, I need some rest, you know? 
But we work, you know, I don't think people really realize how hard we work in this business. Mm -hmm. They think maybe it's all glamorous, but, and, and what you see, it took no time to make happen, but I work at least 12 to 14 hours a day. But add to that some family drama and add to that the fact that you're going through it with your boyfriend or your girlfriend or your husband or your wife. And add to that that you're a superstar or you're famous or people, as soon as you go to the grocery store, you got a camera in your face, a phone in your face. You can't really go anywhere without somebody saying, hey, how you doing? Can I take a picture? And you can't even think straight at that moment. Now add more to that. Now pull out more on top. Now put some more on top. Because guess what? I'm famous. My face is known. I can't take my face off and go to the grocery store. So it's not surprising that you see a lot of celebrities or famous people go through the issues that they go through. So you're actually saying we have to be compassionate, you know, to, with celebrities, God you know. Forbid someone would be <laughs> <You know>? compassionate. <laughs> Remember that? Remember compassion. <laughs> Dag. Remember, you know, everybody has a hard day every once in a while. You know, the, how about that part? <laughs> But you've also gone through a lot of loss. I mean, not only the loss of your mother that you talk about, but your your brother. In your darkest hours, where do you go to keep yourself? Uh, I go to God. That's the only place to go in the darkest hours when you're alone. Who do you go to? There's nobody around when it's just you, except God, you know? And so for me, I've always had that connection since I was a little kid, you know? And, um, On your own. and music, yeah. Music is a place that I can go to where it just, yeah, I, on my own. I, and plus, I'm not, I allow myself to have a good cry. You know, I don't have a problem going somewhere and falling all over the ground and letting it all out. And then I pick myself up and dust myself off and, you know. That's and, a healthy way you're and expressing then here it. here we go. Yeah. Queen Latifah's latest venture has little to do with film or music. Instead, She's using her business skills to invest in her hometown of Newark, New Jersey. Her hope is to help revitalize the city's struggling infrastructure. Let's talk about New Jersey because you are doing a housing project in mm -hmm. here, a $14 million housing, affordable housing project. A portion of it is affordable. The okay. rest is market rate. So tell me, but because you invest back into your community, basically. Yes. You know, tell me more about that. Well, I grew up in Newark, New Jersey, in Irvington and the East Orange which are two cities that border Newark. We from Newark have always seen its potential. Its potential has always been its people. But as a city, it's a great place, a great location, and we want to see it be what it should be. New Jersey also have a presidential candidate, Cory Booker. Mm -hmm. Are you especially excited about Cory or any presidential candidate? <laughs> what kind of question is that? You mean give me anybody but the president? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> no, Cory Booker is great. You know, Cory Cory is great. He's been he's a he's been a resident of Newark, living in Newark. You know, and he sees the vision, and I think he has a vision for what America should be. You know, so I definitely support him running for president. You know, he should. Why not? What are what what issues that we should all pay attention for? We. You know, I really feel like America will never be as great as it could be until we really deal with the truth of our racist attitudes. And we have to face that because nobody should be able to come along and pick us apart based on race. Definitely another country should not be able to infiltrate our elections, our social media to pit us against each other and pick us apart based on race or gender, or class. We need a real lesson in humanity. 
We need to we need a real education. People need to be educated because they need to understand that we have all contributed to the success of the United States of America. That it would not be what it is without Africans, people of African descent. This would not be the rich nation it is without the hard work of slaves. But not just slaves, but people who actually designed and contributed to things like, oh, heart bypasses or the lights that you use to stop and go every day. Black people invented that. And we all have a place here. And this is a big melting pot. And when we do, when we help each other out, we're so much stronger. But if we don't deal with how we, you know, our whatever issues and animosities or history, we got to clear that out. You know, that's the mental health of this country that we need to deal with. And then we'll be all right, you know, because we'll be able to withstand anything. Um, and we'll be much more compassionate to the rest of the world as well. You know, we're America. We got to act like it, you know? That's my slogan. We're America. Let's act like it. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you It has much. been a pleasure. Likewise. Thank you. Thank all you right. so much. Thank you. <laughs> We hope you enjoyed this episode of Through Her Eyes. For more thought-provoking interviews, subscribe to our podcast. You can also watch the full video interviews on yahoonews.com.